Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we are going to talk about the John Christ news break that he has been uh, accused of multiple sexual harassment issues and has now canceled his tour, canceled his Netflix special. Mm. And uh, yeah, Netflix put his special on hold. That was on there. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to just kind of walk through the... We're going to slog through yeah. the John Christ episode. I think <laughs> you're, that's, you're really selling it. Well, it's a, it's not a pleasant conversation, no, but it's, it's an important one. Yeah, it's important. I think uh, um, uh, faith groups in general, but yeah. uh, Christianity is not exempt, get, uh, can handle this wrong, and, and silence can be part of the issue. So, uh, Absolutely, and we've yeah. been told lots of times, uh, even in our, in our uh, illustrious 28-episode podcasting <laughs> career, that some people... Uh, distrust Christianity because when leaders have issues like this, we don't talk about it. And so we want to talk about it. We want to talk about the complexities of human depravity and Christian leadership and sexual harassment, Me Too. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a whole lot of of stuff here. Totally. First, even on the most somber of episodes, we start (laughs) off with a joke and or a story. (laughs) And it is your turn today. It is. And I had planned on starting to tell some jokes, but... um, I'm going to tell a couple of stories right now. These stories are about the Texas State Fair. Now, Mm. the Texas State Fair just came to a close at the end of October. It it runs pretty much the month of October every year. Sure. And it is epic. Like all things in Texas, it's big. And you you got your Fletcher's corn dogs. You got your giant turkey legs. You've got the auto show. You've got, Man. I mean, and you can go down and get a blue ribbon on your bull or your pig. You wow. know, you got that stuff too. This is like the Cirque du Soleil of And of it's Texas downtown fairs. Dallas. And the fair is just, it's just awesome. And so I've been going my whole life. The whole state of Texas, every uh, school gets a fair day. And, mm-hmm. they, and the kids get free tickets to the fair. Fair day. Fair day. Yeah, it's not it's not the same day, but every day during the fair is the fair day of some school districts. Wow! And so, if you're a school a student in Texas, you get a day off to go to the Texas. State oh my fair. gosh! Still, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow! Yeah, it's, that sounds awesome. It's important. <laughs> I, I don't think. No shade. Texas's education rates aren't as high as other states. Oh, I so. beg to differ, my young lad. <laughs> Uh, they have some of the highest rated education systems in the state, in the country. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, take I haven't note, done my homework on it recently, Washington. but that Texas is, is, is uh, yeah, it's a good place to get it. Look at me. Yeah. Look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> Texas State Fair. So in the you. middle of the Texas State Fair is a giant cowboy named Big Tex. I Do you remember Big I Tex now, when you were a kid? I now remember the story. I don't remember Big Tex. Big Tex is like, uh, I don't know. Um, Three or four, five stories tall, and he's a cowboy. My grandmother, he's a tall cowboy, he is, and um, he's got this chin that moves up and down when he talks. Terrifying, um, and <laughs> yeah, kind of like Chucky. <laughs> yeah, and um, he has one hand on his chest, and his left, his right hand is on his chest, and his left hand is extended like welcome. Hmm. And he's in this pot. You know, he doesn't move. Right. 
And my grandmother, one of her jobs long ago was to sew the jeans of Big Tex. No way. Yeah. So maybe that's why I have such affection for the Texas State Fair and Big Tex. But when I was a kid. Big jeans. Oh, man. Yeah. Mega. And he would talk. He, he would talk like this. Welcome to the Texas State Fair. And he would make announcements every once in a while. So like every huh. every hour or two, he starts talking. Is he there all at all times? Oh, yeah. Or they, they oh, yeah. set him up only for the I fair? don't think they take him down. I think okay. he's up year-round. And uh, when we were kids, our deal was if you get lost, if you get separated, go to Big Tex. Because you could see it from everywhere. Oh Well, you, you could always find him. Sure. And um, there's a big uh, uh, landscaped big circle around him. So it's a, it's a large area, but you could find each other at Big Tex. Mm-hmm. So one year, I, I think I'm like... <clears throat> six <laughs> and i'm walking along holding my mom's hand going down the midway and the the game areas and all that you know it's a big giant place and yeah having a great time and i look up and i'm holding hands with a woman who is not my mother she's just holding hands with some kid yep i guess she thought she found a stray and she's gonna take care of me and i was like holy crap and i take off running <laughs> and i have to go find big Tex. and i mean by huh. the time i find big Tex and find my mother i got sweat running down my face she's terrified mm-hmm. and uh but we found each other at big tech at big techs yeah so that's one of my fair stories they have lots of uh haunted houses and you know um freak shows lots of freak shows mm-hmm. the bearded woman and the wow you know lots of freak shows and one of the things they had there is the glass house of mystery or something and so like a house of mirrors it's or? a house of mirrors and windows and so hmm. it's just this maze of glass walls. So um, you got to find, and you know, so you're doing a lot of, it's, it's like walking around in the dark in the broad daylight because right. you're touching for glass to find your way through the maze. Yeah. These play a huge role in, in like crime movies or like horror Yeah, movies. but those are typically mirrors. Uh, I thought you said that's mostly what this is. This is mostly glass and some mirrors. Well, point being, I've never actually been in one or it's, anything like this. It is it is to me what Chucky is to you. <laughs> it's terrifying. I don't know. Chucky's not my like my main fear. You don't. I just don't like, I don't like Chucky. marionettes. The, 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 the chin. Thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it know. is. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm like uh, 11. Maybe, said, oh, 11. okay. Different story. Right, different right, different right, year. Right. Because right. I go to the State Fair every year. Every year. So yeah. who knows? This could have been any time from, you know, two to 20. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think I'm 11 on this particular occasion, mm-hmm. and um, I got a big group of people with me, and we're finding our way through the thing, and I start noticing the pattern on the floor, and I thought I could tell <laughs> when it's open and when it's glass, hmm. and I see this stretch ahead of me, what oh, appears no. to be a wide opening. I said, come this way. I found our way, <laughs> and I take off running. And about about three window possibilities in, it is bam, head first into the glass. Oh, man. And knocks me backwards onto the ground. <laughs> I didn't find my way out that way. So I shut my arrogant mouth. My I, I thought I cracked the code, and I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. People in Embarrassing uh, moment. People at the state fair to this day say, people in glass houses shouldn't run in straight lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice try. I'll take it. Uh <laughs> Man, big tech really saved you. It's it, Texas is so interesting. I've spent little time there for um, being born there, but mm-hmm. uh, being the state fair 
people could drive theoretically they could be texas citizens and drive the length of certain countries to get to dallas texas well uh, it turns out this is one of your bragging rights in texas mm-hmm. if you drive from brownsville texas down by the ocean and okay. by mexico to amarillo texas up in the panhandle i call it the thumb is that accurate is that what people call it or no, no? one's ever called it the thumb I call, it looks like a hand it looks like a thumb poking up the top uh no it's the panhandle why because you grab it like the handle of a pan then you could have the whole state <laughs> anyway if you drive from, if you drive from brownsville texas to amarillo texas it's the same drive as dallas to chicago whoa and you never leave the state no way yeah well, and if you flip texas on its eastern hinge mm-hmm. border and flip it over el paso is oceanfront property on the east coast Yikes, man. It's a big, big state. Yeah. But Dallas is pretty central. So you're not going from one into the it's other. It's north central. Okay. Yeah. Uh, more bragging rights. When we were in Alaska for our honeymoon, they had all kinds of merchandise and all these you know, souvenir tchotchke shops. Yeah. And tchotchke? Tchotchkes. You know. What? Okay. There's a word. It's been a few episodes since you used a word I didn't know. What's tchotchke? I think I've used this one before and you didn't blink an eye. I, I just like the word and I, and I think it's for like it's you trinkets. This word no, up. no. I, I promise. Trinkets. Tchotchke. Tchotchkes. You know, get your tchotchke shop. Yeah. Get your tchotchkes here. I don't think anyone's advertising their shop as a tchotchke <laughs> shop. I don't think it's very positive. <laughs> so it's like a derogatory term. Maybe. I don't know. A Just tchotchke trinkets. shop. Anyway, the point being that they had a You're ton in a tchotchke merch. shop in Alaska. Yeah. As there's many along this uh, cruise route. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that, the stuff, the souvenir stuff has Texas, the silhouette of it within the silhouette of Alaska. Yeah. With a lot of land to spare. Oh, yeah. Alaska's they brag huge. about that a lot. Yeah. That'd but who wants to live in Siberia? A lot of that Alaska ground is unpopulated. Oh, yeah. I tell you, I'd rather live in Fairbanks or wherever that is than a lot of Texas. Just just my own personal, you know, uh, uh, weather inclinations. I'm taking it. I'm going to let that go and not take it personal and not argue with you. <laughs> so, listeners, he's grown so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Texas is like a whole other country. It's a it's, mm. a it's a it's a good place. I I think that there might be a correlation between harsh weather conditions and great people. That the harsher it is to live there, as I would say it is in Texas, the the better people you'll find. What's so harsh about living in Texas environmentally? Oh man, the heat, the the crabgrass, whatever it's called, the real, the the really uncomfortable pokey grass. That's St. Augustine. It's wherever your mom lived, where we'd go and Joe. Yeah, St. Augustine grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant a place called St. Augustine. No, that's the grass. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a breed of grass. Yeah, St. Augustine grass. It's flat. It goes on forever. Um, but the, but a lot of people aren't like I am, you know. So a lot of those that I didn't notice that except right at first. <laughs> right, <laughs> my brother Tim. He could be. He could live in a place. Well, he does live in a place where it's over a hundred degrees for weeks on end, and he just eats it up. Soaks it up. Gives them energy. I don't get it at all. I wonder if they have any tchotchke shops in Phoenix. What would they sell? Welcome to welcome cactus. to the desert. Little cactus, magnetic cacti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we digress. Let's tchotchkes. let's get let's get back to the subject. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, John Christ, he's a Christian comedian, mm-hmm. and uh, and has professed faith in Jesus, and has a lot of fun making fun of uh church culture yeah he's um hugely popular within christianity and is uh notable for being 
uh, pretty famous outside of Christianity. He's uh, what was the stat? Um, he's in the top, top one hundred. Top one hundred concert speaker comedian gigs. Top right. one hundred gigs in the in the world. Right. Uh, right now, he had an HBO special which I didn't know about till somebody told me today. They said they only watched the first few minutes. It wasn't very good. Hmm. Um, but he had an HBO special. He has a Netflix special supposed to come out. He has a tour coming up that is sold out across the country hmm. and he has now canceled that tour. So let's go to his, to the actual accusation and statements. Can we go there? Yeah. yeah so there's sure. an article, there's an article, uh, in the charisma news and they use some fake names, but there's an article particularly where they lead the article off with a, a woman who has married, <clears throat> who has started a podcast and she asked if she could interview him uh, da- dating. She's dating a man. Oh, it's not a husband. Not not a husband. Oh, it's a boyfriend. Yeah. And so they meet him backstage at an event of his. So I read a little more reason. I, I, Do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, they met at a uh, hotel room in Vegas, her and her boyfriend and John Christ. So it was. Um, it was she, at an event of his, though, wasn't it? It was near an event. This was, oh, okay. So they traveled there, her and her boyfriend, because uh mentions her senior project. She's a student, I guess. and But also had this podcast. As, as a, a college senior, I'm yeah, assuming. I'm assuming so, too. Um, and. Uh, uh, an aspiring, um, it doesn't say uh, comedian, but but wants a, a career that she wants similar to John Chris, maybe maybe a performance or something. Anyway, uh, they get there and she interviews him for her podcast in this hotel room, and they have a good time uh, and uh, uh, exchange numbers. And then and they do talk about mental health issues with each other, as I recall. Yeah, she opens up about her mental health issues. He actually there opened up about his sex addiction, uh, and this was uh, a number of years ago. Um, which was not necessarily public until now, until this right, whole right. scandal. So uh, then uh, they exchanged numbers, and uh, and later on he uh, uh, gets them to meet up. Gets her to meet up. Gets her to meet up, right, without her boyfriend. And She uh, goes to his apartment. I think there's something there she's going to pick up. Or no, no, that's on the way back. So she meets him, They're gonna, and he says, let's go rollerblading. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story. Bottom line is when she goes back to the apartment and he's and he gave her a water bottle full of vodka. He has a he has a tea bottle full of bourbon or something. Mm-hmm. And so when they get back to his apartment for her to get her purse and go home, he puts on the full court press and in her words, uh, crudely propositions her for sex. Yeah. And applies and, a lot of pressure. Yeah. And supposedly takes quite a bit to get him to stop and for her to leave. Uh, so that's the that's one of the many cases. The uh, original reporting comes from um, uh, Charisma News, right? Which is a, a Christian news site, and uh, they had the anonymous names for the sake of the um, the people who came forward, and they did a lot of uh, investigating for a few months and corroborated uh, all of these. There is one that they did not publish because the the um, victim didn't want them to. Uh, so it seems pretty rock solid. Um, and yeah, so I'll read, uh, I'll read, read his, um, Oh, read her. There was one little spot, part of her story we wanted to read. Yeah. So this is, and yeah, this is that, uh, woman with the podcast. She said her, her quote in this article is, um, the one thing that stopped me from believing he was creepy is John is so proudly parades his face as a Christian. I've let myself believe that just because someone is a Christian means they won't do something intentionally bad. But the truth is, John invited me to his apartment with the intention of sleeping with me after shaking hands with my boyfriend. Okay, so she, 
um, she says this was methodical, intentional, and he was grooming her. Yeah, and there's a you know there's a line between harassment and assault. It doesn't seem like it crossed into anything violent there, into the ranges of assault. Um, in in this specific example, this one is the most in depth of the ones that they give. But clearly harassment. Clearly harassment. And now my understanding, John, is that these accusations flow all the way back to 2014. Is that accurate? Uh, no, to my knowledge, he was seeking treatment for sexual addiction as Since far back to, as 2014. As far back as 2014, and that the um, that these go back a good number of years too. These accusations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So possibly now, possibly before then. Yeah. So now read his. Uh, his statement is pretty long. Yeah. So just read his opening comments and then his closing comments, because I think those are sure. good bookends for us understanding uh, his position on this conversation. Uh, yeah, it's quite a few paragraphs, but he opens with um, <clears throat> over the past number of years, various women have accused me of behavior that I, that has been hurtful to them. While I am not guilty of everything I've been accused of, I confess to being guilty of this. I have treated relationships with women far too casually, in some cases, even recklessly. My behavior has been destructive and sinful. I've sinned against God, against women, and the people who I love most. I have violated my own Christian beliefs, convictions, and values, and have hurt many people in the process. I am sorry to the hurt and pain I have caused these women, and will continue to seek their forgiveness. I have also heard the name of Jesus and have sought his forgiveness. Okay, and that was the opening and closing? Opening opening paragraph. Okay. Um, I don't know if you want to break that down before we go to the uh, to closing or not. No, go ahead. I want to hear his closing one, too, because sure. this will give us kind of his posture on the thing. Yeah. Uh, go, lots of um, um, redundancies. You know, he's apologizing. Uh, but the end, it ends this way. Uh, my entire career has been lived out on stage, and even though I've shared many of my struggles with my audiences, I've lived in constant fear of the darkest parts of my life being exposed publicly. My greatest fear has been that those who have loved and supported me would hate me if they knew everything about me. I now humbly seek forgiveness and mercy and love, not just for me, but for those I've hurt along my path. I'm so sorry. Okay. Tell me, John, your first blush response to all of that. Um, hmm. First response, well, there's so, you know, the, um, there's, there's the, the binary re- reaction, right? When the, the me, me too thing was first blowing up, it's, yeah. we got another one. And the the fallacy there is that there was a lot of different um, uh, violations. There were men who were um, propositioning, uh, even though they were married, women who were below them in power structure, like mm-hmm. like superiors to them, yeah, uh, and making really uh, foul and forward advances. And then there were men who were full full on assaulting women. So uh, my first reaction was not to doubt the victims, but to investigate the severity of this kind of. Um, Accusation because they're so it is so complicated, uh, and I have no doubts with how quickly he responded with the number of uh, witnesses. Even we're his, not doubting the no, accuracy of not the at all. accusation, not at least at all. not the details of them necessarily, but the fact that there's been sexual harassment issues with him and inappropriate sexual advances. This is not debatable, right? So my first reaction was um, uh, sadness for the situation with these uh, women who. Uh, were fans, right? Fan, fandom admiration is a powerful thing. And I wouldn't call him a, he's not a, a, a teacher. He's not a pastor, but mm-hmm. he is a, a leader in this world, in the in, in our faith, with a lot of admirers. And with that responsibility and weight that he has, he abused that. You know, you talk about uh, power, power um, what's the term? Not power balance, but basically 
uh, just the like a power broker kind of thing. No, you? no, like in the uh, with with kind of the politics of like uh, can a, a boss have a consensual relationship oh, okay. with their with yeah. their um, yeah un- underling. With that power structure, it makes it trickier. So, with so those, you view those him, you view him more like an entertainer or an athlete, exactly, like a rock star who, who claims Christianity. Yeah. So you're not claim you're not re- reacting to this like he's a church leader, right? Who failed? You're looking at him as an entertainer or a or a public figure, right? Who professed Christ and then did this? Exactly. It's not to undermine the severity of it, but the fact that he was a bachelor and not a leader of a church, he wasn't the shepherd of a flock, and right. then abused that flock. Right. It's a little different, even though it's still very egregious. So primary primary reaction was sadness, um. And I'm I'm impressed with the conviction of the apology. Not that it should be; it's not a cure all. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't. You know, the politician response is, "I'm sorry you feel that way. We're looking into it." He said, and he did deflect a little, like in the beginning. And one of the reasons I uh, it's tough with the, how long the response is. In the beginning, he says, uh, "Not all accusations are accurate," but he primarily throughout says, "I'm so sorry for what I've done." It's it's a it's a it's not a deflection. Diary. I thought I thought he finished really strongly. I did not yeah. like his opening sentence one bit. Sure. So let's read that again because I want to show you what I what I'm reacting to there that is unsettling to me. Okay. First sentence. Yeah. Over the past number of years, various women have accused me of behavior that has been hurtful to them. While I am not guilty of everything that I've been accused of, I confess to being guilty of this. I have treated relationships with women far too casually, in some cases even recklessly. Okay. That was two sentences. But. So there's three thoughts there that he's uh, saying is it was hurtful to them, not wrong. So I've been accused sure. of behavior that is hurtful to them. So it's still, oh, they viewed it as hurtful. Sure. Right. So there's a, to me, there was a little weirdness there. Totally. And then viewing relationships with women casually and sometimes recklessly. Uh, uh, harassment is not casual or reckless. It's harassment. Right. And so to me, when I saw the, when I read the first line in the article of his, of his statement, I almost quit reading hmm. because I thought he is softening the malice of his own behavior. Yeah. And I guess, uh, I might've been the lens I'm looking for through is through like the, the PR and mass comm courses that I was, that I went through. The, the main thing is, um, only apologize if you're at like at death's door as far as public opinion is concerned. Right. And so for him, to, that, that was, I guess where, where I was coming from, but I definitely see that he, that's not a full, because a lot of this was even worse. Like, like that was awful. Just on merit of looking that guy in his eyes and shaking his hand, then trying to sleep with his girlfriend after right. getting her drunk. But he would, you know, uh, give free tickets to women and then say... Just so oh, they could meet him yeah. backstage. And then, and if, then they, if they said they didn't want to, he would threaten to revoke That's one of the ticket. accusations. Yeah. Hey, I gave you a free ticket. If you're not going to sleep with me, give me the ticket back kind right. of thing. Right. And, and that's one that's more recurring, that it was kind of a pattern, which is um, frightening. You know? Again, those are accusations. So uh, uh, then... Um, I guess the from that sentence on, if you take that sentence out, sure. I actually like his comments from then on. He does take a lot of personal responsibility. He says my actions were sinful. I have sinned against people. I've sinned against my God. I've asked Christ to forgive me. I hope they will learn to or be able to at some point. And I'm going to focus on my own recovery. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think he owns that. I would say a, a weaker part of the um, the action plan, the saying that I've canceled this and this so mm-hmm. that I can mm-hmm. that I can fix this, is it's not tangible, right? He doesn't say I'm I'm reentering treatment. 
It's just a freeing up my time so that I can fix this is what he says. Basically a little, a little, um, Loosey goosey, right? There's no, there's no structure there as to what that looks like. Yeah. And you know, you could argue whose business is it, how he's going to pursue it. He's stepping Hmm. out of the limelight and I'm committing to pursue it. Tiger Woods as a parallel to this, you know, his Mm -hmm. deal was I'm going to a residential treatment center where I'm going to get focused treatment on this issue. And his issue was the same as John Chris. It was a sexual addiction issue. And so uh, he he could gain ground by saying, here is exactly how I'm going to pursue recovery. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't. And it seems as though, I don't know if this was your impression, that that these harassments occurred while he was in accountability groups and in yeah. counseling. Yeah. He says ongoing um, recurring counseling since 2014. And this is all throughout there. Um. <clears throat> Another little layer is similar to Tiger Woods is that uh, nothing illegal here, right? It's not it's moral failure to to the nth degree, mm-hmm. but not as far as I can tell something the law would get involved with. So there's a whole nother layer. That's true. Um, but yeah, uh, when what I talked a little bit about his um, role within the body of Christ was I mean, you you have a lot more of exposure or or uh, experience in that in those in those roles. Did that sound about right to you or? Yeah, I think, um, I think people would view him more as a religious figure than they would an athlete or, Mm. uh, a musical entertainer. Sure. Um, because he did at times come out with, uh, video comments on, Hey, let's stop judging this or Christians need to behave better. Um, and his comedy was, centered around the church. So I think there was uh, that there might be more of a religious figure uh, weight than just a strictly than just an athlete or something. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, So I think there are maybe four or five topics that come to mind on how uh, Christians and the church and, and you know what we ought to be talking about. Sure. Please. So I've got a few. One one is um, we seem to have a sexualized culture Mm-hmm. Where it's not, we're not really clear how to talk about this or how to pursue sexual healthiness. Yeah. Um, the the Me Too movement is real. And is it true that every man on earth is a walking penis and every woman should be absolutely convinced that he's an unsafe person? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, what? What, what is, what, what's going on there? Uh, then um, sexual holiness. You know, how could a person who's a single man traveling in an entertaining world and he's a follower of jesus how do we pursue sexual holiness not just in our own life but even as a culture mm-hmm. then uh, uh sin management and being a public figure um it's complicated when you have such a uh man a difficult recovery journey that he's been on while you're keeping a frantic pace as a public figure mm-hmm. and i guess at what point is he disqualified as a public figure sure and what will he be qualified to return will there be an entry path back for him it seems like in the me too movement in the secular culture with secular famous people there's no recovery uh that it that that you're out and you're out forever yeah kind of the um the hot word now is cancel culture that person is canceled that's the there you go yeah uh and in christianity it does look different uh, you know, back to the, the, the pastor metaphor, there's a long list of um, life implosions with mm-hmm, pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them do 
comeback. There was a, um, I can't think of his name. There's a pastor who, uh, ran away with this woman and, uh, eloped and left his church and then was hired by, uh, actually back to our Kardashian West, um, episode was hired as, uh, at Kim Kardashian's mother's church, I think. Anyway, that's a whole nother bag of beans, but, um, but there, I think you're right that there's an easier path back in our faith than in the secular world. Maybe. What would it take for, for you? What would it take for you, John, to welcome him back on the stage? Well, I have a one of the reasons it didn't hit me as hard as it might have is because I I have limited exposure to John Christ. Um, but to welcome him back, I mean, I don't know. He said he had a circle, right, a close circle that already knew he, this was going on, which is which is already strange because most of these um, situations is a person completely on their own. Nobody knows about this except for them and whoever else is in on it. And while I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Um, And so that was interesting already. But maybe if that same circle is vouching for him, they knew about it before, which you could say makes them complicit in this already. But maybe if he comes back and they say, I've I've witnessed real change. I've witnessed a real evolution. Well, that would be assuming that they witnessed the crimes or the or the violations of his standards. So. Hmm. Um, one of the things that's interesting to me is is that he had this group who knew. Yeah. Um, and they say they knew about his sexual addiction, which I assume means the crimes, because how can you be a sex addict if you're not having sex? I don't know. Right. Um, but well, you can be you can be an alcoholic without drinking. You can be an ex-alcoholic. Well, there's no ex. That's the yeah. thing about addictions, um, and that's a whole other conversation. But uh, I think you know one of the things that's disturbing to me is he had this group around him, Mm-hmm. If they are witnessing this kind of behavior, what are they doing? And my guess is they're not witnessing it. He's doing it where they can't see it. But then um, while he is contrite and humble in his apology and he's owning his sin, he's been doing it a while. Right. And he did not come forward with contrite humility until caught. Sure. I mean, a multi-month investigation and several people coming forward. Yeah. And, you know, man, this is human depravity. I'm not going around just offering up my sin confessions to people. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand the complexities of that. Um, so it's a, it's a tough conversation about where's his integrity. Right. I have said, you know, I was having a conversation with a group of men the other day and all Christian men, and they were talking about the need for accountability mm-hmm. and that everybody should have accountability partners. And I said, I don't buy that. And really? it, yeah, I was the only guy in the room that felt that way. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, if a guy will lie to his wife, he'll lie <laughs> to his accountability partners. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine was in an accountability group. These guys have been together for six years telling each other the battles they go through. They had laid a lot of cards on the table. They had, yeah. uh, they had phone conversations every month and they had physical retreats with each other twice a year. Wow, that's an organized accountability. They group. were serious about it, and they said, "We're not going to be those guys who end up in the news, who end up blowing it." And they're all high pitch. profile. They're all pastors. And then, six years into this, one of them calls my buddy and says, "Did you hear about our guy?" No, he's been he's in jail for soliciting sex with a minor, and he's been having oh, homosexual man. sex with kids for years while he's in what? this while he's in this high touch accountability group right goodness so the thing is we're hiders we are hiders yeah and um i don't think accountability means nothing but if a guy's gonna lie he's gonna lie well then what's what's what would it take for you to to say hey you're 
you can have a show you know anywhere well he's an entertainer so i do lump him into that category i think that the church should be both uh, very clear where we stand on sexual sin and on the harassment and treatment of women. Mm-hmm. Women have been the most abused people group in the entire history of the world, and they will continue to be because of the curse of fallen man. Um, that's a part of the curse. And so we have to stand up and say, you can't violate women. He, he, it's interesting. You, you have um, uh, sex is the guy, you know, is the guy just like to have a lot of sex. There's ways you can do that that aren't, uh, at least culturally, devaluing, right? I would argue, biblically, you couldn't do that. But I see what you're saying. So, so consensual partner right, or right. something like but that. But this yeah. is not that. This is this is harassment, power moves, uh, rape, for example. Rape is not a sex crime. People think that that's a sex crime. It's not a sex crime. It's a violent crime, and it's a power crime. Hmm. So it's about dominance and and dominion. I don't know what his sexual things are, but these are deep issues of the soul. Yeah. And we need to stand up as, as believers and say, Hey, we don't, we don't tolerate this. We don't, we, we have to hold up a standard of human dignity and, um, sexual health and wholeness. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that we have an obligation there. We, I have heard so many young people, these people who are leaving the faith, say you know the church won't even acknowledge that this kind of behavior is going on right well let's acknowledge it and let's respond to it in a healthy way so then uh this is different because not all um like you were saying not all sexual addiction crime or or uh transgressions have victims right say he uh, aside from themselves and their their standing with god but uh you know he has a a secret live-in girlfriend Mm -hmm. who they're just you know cohabitating or right. whatever really say say you're someone you're addicted to porn or something and you're you know going to church every sunday uh and you have this maybe you have an accountability group what is, what do you do right how do you break the cycle if this guy's been going to treatment for at least five years no change and maybe even worsening of situations do you have any i don't know advice for that like like how do you how do you break through the cycle there yeah, I mean, a, a addiction to sin is a really real thing. Yeah, I happen to have reached this conviction personally in a while back, and and I'm not um, don't hold me to this because it's a conviction, not a conclusion. Sure. Um, I think maybe every human being is addictive to something. Yes, and that God made us that way, and it turns out that that the relationship with God that I'm having that keeps me healthy and whole. Mm-hmm. Someone on the outside would say that's an addictive thing. Like to God, Jesus is your drug. Um, Lucky you. Time alone with God is your drug. Yeah. You know. So I, I actually think maybe addiction is a normal human occurrence, hmm. and so uh, we have to we have to leverage that leverage that into a vibrant life giving addiction to the Lord. Hmm. I don't know. I, I could sound completely ignorant here because I've not had alcohol, chemical addiction, sexual addiction. I haven't had these kinds of addiction issues. Sure. But I'm sure addicted to sin, man. I've, I've had the hardest time in my life, you know, breaking free from sin habits and thinking uh, habits. And um, so uh, I have found for my life to work right, mm-hmm. I have got to have an addiction relationship with God. And I think that might be the biblical compass. Hmm. What's your thought about that? Because um, 
Yeah. What, what's your thought about? Well, that? you know, you hear about uh, the the new trend, right? And there's, for all I know, a lot of science and logic behind it. But is that addiction is a is a disability? It's like it's like a right. It's not a moral failing. It is a um, it's like an illness. It's yes. A, yes. Um, and you hear a lot about addictive personalities. You know, mm-hmm. if uh, someone in your line has been an alcoholic, you probably should stay away from alcohol for your own sake, just to right. be safe. Right. And stuff like that. So it is interesting to for the idea that every human on earth has an addictive personality to something. And I think that could be their careers. That could be money. That could be relationships. It could be success. Mm-hmm. It could be power. It could be pleasure. Yeah. It could be entertainment, recreation. Um, I think what the way I would summarize that is you are constantly pursuing a certain thing intuitively. Yeah. And, I, um, and the definition, not the definition, but one of the things that makes an addiction addiction is that you don't want to keep doing it, but you do it anyway. And you do so at incredible personal risk and loss. Hmm. So, uh, that's, you know, here's a guy with, uh, booking tour booking sold out probably across the country. Yeah. Doing really well for himself financially. Yeah. He's I'm got sure, I'm Netflix sure. special, HBO special. I mean, the, the, tr- the star is rising and he's doing this sabotaging yeah. everything for this. You see pro athletes. I remember there've been NFL players who have had, you know, three strikes with the NFL, uh, chemical abuse program. And literally if they're caught with a joint or a drink, they're going to lose a $40 million contract. Holy smokes. And they turn around and do it. And it's like, man, man how stupid are you? Right. Yeah. You just want to say what, what? And so we are, we are broken, broken people. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm no, uh, psychologist obviously. And like you said, there's something, maybe something more here along the lines of power, um, and, and, and domination, but, a guy who's a bachelor and who travels, you know, probably more than two thirds of his whole year. Mm-hmm. That's, that sounds like the loneliest life I could think of. Traveling is already lonely if you're alone and without a, a spouse. So maybe it's some kind of search for intimacy for as long as he's been doing this. I have no idea. But yeah. And, and, you know, if you're making those kind of dollars and traveling, you could bring people with you. Yeah. You know, hire someone whose only job is to travel with you and and be your friend. <laughs> hire a friend. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, I have a question that, that pops in my head because you said this cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not heard that term before, uh, but it certainly is the case. And the Me Too yeah, kind of It's it, kind of a fresh, fresh word. I yeah, learned it yeah. a week ago, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the cancel I'm, I'm culture. Slow on, I'm slow on the, on the, the times, you know, so this might be already stale by now. Yeah. I know... Um, I know that the Me Too thing mm-hmm. and these kind of stories, I think they make every man nervous. Yeah. I, I know myself, good men who have thought, wow, am I guilty of that? Thinking about just our normal course of human development, you know, mm-hmm. I have not always treated women with respect. When you're a teenager, you know, you don't know what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. And, and, um, I think it, 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 can scare you and so here's the deal where these this culture has like you're canceled you're out mm-hmm. uh i don't know if you remember warren moon was uh tv commentating no radio radio commentating for the seahawks you know when we got when we moved here he was he was one of two guys i don't remember that him and um rabel are the radio announcers for the seahawks and uh, I'll never forget his shriek of laughter, you know, when <laughs> when we caught that overtime yeah. pass against Green Bay and oh, it man. takes us to the Super Bowl. He made this funny little shriek uh, on the radio. 
uh, man, he's accused and guilty of a sexual harassment issue. I don't remember what it was, but he has vanished. Yeah. I mean, he's gone. Cancel culture. The first thing I thought of when you said that, it must not apply to presidents. I wonder why that's the case. And who else does it not apply to? You look at either party. You got Bill Clinton, who the the ridiculousness of his sexual sin, public. You have Trump, who has, I mean, we got video, audio, him talking about the way he treats women, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Those two have gone unscathed is not a right word because they have gotten a lot of flack about it. It didn't affect their ability. Clinton got reelected. No, was not, that second term? The second term, because he got he was it was impeachment um, uh, threatening. Oh, that's right. So yeah. uh, anyway, it appears like it's not an equal opportunity culture to cancel. <laughs> well, another a line there maybe is uh, is identity um, politics, right? So uh, uh, a Republican voter might be more inclined to to, to overlook that because Trump oh, no is, doubt, is no doubt, and the Democrats e- overlook Clinton. exactly. Yeah, um, I think. The cold, the the idea of of just ostracizing somebody um, existed forever, right? If one guy say say a guy gets a, a child porn allegation, and say it's completely nonsense, it's unfounded, some glitch in the system, and he's out the next day, it's too late, man. You're gone, like right. like you're toast. And so it's really it's that on a much um, more sensitive scale, on a, on a much huger scale. So now it's that, but with um, you know, did you ever? <laughs> like like with Justin Trudeau, the Canadian uh, uh, president, prime minister, right, prime minister, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, culturally appropriate for a Halloween costume. That's it. I mean, he didn't get canceled, like you said. That's a whole other uh, political thing. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's uh, it's on that scale again. And like I said, you know, with the the Me Too stuff, it was it was as soon as the name is out, they're done. So it was it didn't matter the severity so much. Kevin Spacey committed real crimes uh uh harvey weinstein that right there those were atrocious right. compared to some other people who still got the not a, a lesser treatment um but were still canceled quote unquote matt um, lauer comes to my mind yeah oh know. yeah i haven't yeah. heard of him since yeah um let's i want to bring that into kind of our faith and what this might look like to people who believe what we believe uh first i want to throw us into the commercial break okay who um Luckily, our, our voice actress does it much better than we do. She so, does. Yeah. So, so here you go. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, let's let's bring it home. So with this uh, cancel culture and bringing people back into kind of public favor, mm-hmm. what do you think? What would you say that should look like for people who believe what we believe? 
You know, I think it, it, uh, sometimes I think maybe the factors would be how gross the deception was. Hmm. Um, in Colorado, I had a hero pastor there. I mean, I read all his books. The guy was gold. I mean, gold. I love this guy. And it turns out he's been seeing a male prostitute taking meth. Yeah. And um, so he, you know, denied it, denied it, denied it, denied it. Okay, I'm getting treatment. He goes Mm -hmm. through 30 days of intense treatment, and then he comes out and publicly says, I'm no longer a homosexual. I've Hmm. been healed. And he has a wife and kids. So, uh, but, uh, and then he planted it. He started another church. And he's been doing this now for several years. He's still there. Yep. And got a very small gathering. This guy was the president of the Evangelical Association of America at the time this happened. So the dude just, I mean, built a church of 12,000 people, and God was using him in powerful ways. And he just can't get back. Now, part of that is the profound betrayal. Yeah, that's like as far to the other end of the spectrum as you can possibly go. It's like he looked at the list of totally defiled things you could do. Yeah. And he's like, well, go hard. Yeah. So uh, I think maybe can you come back might be dependent on the the degree of betrayal, deception, lies that you lived on the front end. And for him, say he genuinely, you know, made that 180. He it might not matter to him that he comes back to the level that he was. That this he might not care at all. I'm just going to be faithful to God. Yeah, but he shouldn't have done it in the same town where he sure. had pastored because he was trying to empty that church and get him to start him again. Oh, you know, yeah. So that was a judgment flaw. But anyway, I think that might have a factor of how, uh, how brutal the deception was. Um, you know, I, I honestly don't know the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. I wonder is a guy disqualified forever. And uh, maybe he's got to find a happy life in a non-high-profile, non-public life. Yeah. Well, actually, that guy, uh, that guy I mentioned, who um, the Kardashian senior hired for their church after his scandal, he was a barista at Starbucks when she found him. Oh, really? So yeah, he uh, he found a smaller gig. Um, yeah. By n- n- necessity or not? If you have to be perfect, there's no place for any of us. King David, uh, man, his crimes, crimes. Mm, yeah. Um, and God used him. That was a miserable finish. Yeah. And, uh, he, and he didn't come back. Really. He loved God to the end. Yeah. But he was a, he, he was a shell of himself. Yeah. And, um, but uh, God certainly forgave him. And um, so I think we, we have to have this posture of forgiveness and, and openness to redemption. Here's the thing. Can people change? Can people change? Yeah. Can they? Yeah. One of my sarcastic sayings I is remember this. people change, but not very much. Um, change is hard. You talk about you talk about your sexuality is such a fundamental part of the health of your soul. Yeah. This is an identity thing. This is a it's a deep part of our identity of ourself. I think um, you, you see people outside of the Christian faith change. But I think the the kind of change that Jesus can do is a is a miracle. It is. It a is miracle. supernatural. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously, I have faith in that. Which what which then makes people on the outside question if what you just said is true. Mm-hmm. When John Chris says, "I've loved Jesus, lived with Jesus, but my addiction won't stop. Right. And I can't overcome." And he says it. they exist together. Right. Yeah. 
I uh, I feel like I I underplayed the 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 transgressions. There are victims in this in oh, this game. Absolutely, right here. yeah. So that does make it harder, you know. Same with with any grace. You t- you t- uh, told the story a little bit about a little bit ago about um, this uh, uh, guy who hopped up on drugs, broke into a house, and murdered a woman. Yeah. And uh, now, since then, he's a pastor of a church, and that woman's son is still alive. And he's you know, he has to see this guy. He who has to see it. He can't stand it. Yeah. He cannot stand it. Uh, this guy was let out of prison. Yeah. Early on good behavior, and um, his defense was demon possession hmm. uh, in his court case. And he got you can, saved. You can do that legally? You uh, can, you, that, you can, well, they tried it. It was, the first, it was the first time ever that a criminal claimed, it's like an insanity plea, but he right. claimed a demon possession plea. Wow. But he didn't even know God. I mean, he, he found Christ in prison right after he got in there. Yeah. And he is a change. You talk about a changed man. He's a changed man. Sure. But, man, here's this uh this man who's lost his mother mm-hmm. for no good reason. They're, they didn't go in there to steal, to rob her. You know, they they just wandered in there. He'd been on a three day high. He has no memory of it, and you know, basically decapitated her. Holy moly! So this guy has to, you know, so that's that's a big bar. We now we've gone way off to well, an no. edge of extremity here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my point being, grace um, and and forgiveness isn't as always as simple and pretty as the word is. Mm. Um, and that even though the crimes might be at less severe, the victims are still victims and that might be challenging, but it seems like our, our theology would be more open to the possibility of a return to public acceptance. I might argue that I think our theology would require us to be open to an aggressive for forgiveness, hmm. but not necessarily not a reinstatement, right? Because, Forgiveness is granted. Trust is earned. Right. So the question would be, what does he have to do? What would he have to do to earn a place back into a public voice? Because that should not be gifted to him. That's and not attached to his forgiveness. Say I wanted his best interest. I might not think it should. It would even be healthy for him. The limelight is probably a very significant part of, yeah. of his inability to win over this addiction. Uh, that's, that's certainly plausible. Well, I think uh, I think my takeaway from this episode is, uh, as often does, came at the very end, um, and just the um, that we have more hope than most of the world does, for, as what we profess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, don't be like we're Jesus tells us to be. Uh, what's the word? The um, with the steward who who shrewdness. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He commends a shrewdness there. Yeah, he does. So uh, don't be less shrewd and welcome anybody back when they're still being knuckleheads. But but maybe be aware of the the miraculous that um, leave room for God to do something extraordinary and the forgiveness that you've been given. You know, yeah, that your in your your heart is is just as dark as John Chris's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, heart. yeah, that's that's good. My takeaway is something we haven't even discussed. Oh. There we go. A little, uh, he, little cherry on top. Yeah. He said uh, that his greatest fear in his statement, my mm-hmm. greatest fear has been that if people really knew me, would they love me? And now I have to publicly lay it all out. You know, this fear he had to be fully known and fully loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he would even say, if I were winning over my addiction, the fact that I have this addiction 
would people want to buy a ticket to my show if they knew this was my battle? Even if he had overcome it and right. was private. Even, yeah, if it's private and he's living um, successfully over it, um, his fear was being known. Hmm. I think this, my takeaway is we all fear that. Yeah, And totally. that's what keeps us in the dark. Totally. And so I think, you know, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, it helps us overcome our sin. So while I dis, I totally uh, uh, <laughs> devalued accountability groups in our earlier conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think that living in the dark is a is an absolute uh, disaster, and that living in the light is critical. So my question to him in this regard would be: You had an accountability group, you had professional counselors, you've been walking this road. You know what your you know what your proclivities are. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had the financial resources to have exercised any precautions possible. Put up the guardrails. Don't be around women. Keep another person with you all the time until, you know, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So just keep fighting. This is my takeaway. Don't stay in the dark. Man, talk, 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 talk to people who are safe, who are professional, who can help you, who can pray over you. Um, Man, don't stay in the dark. The next thing I would say, and this is an interesting conversation I'd like to talk at another time. What kind of guardrails should we have on our lives so that we protect uh, ourselves from sin like this, right? Yeah, sure. And uh, we were talking about this today at lunch, and um, somebody was saying that there was a politician who agreed to be interviewed. Uh, A a reporter said, I want to do a day in the life of, and they were going to follow them all day. But it turned out to be a female reporter. Oh, right. And so the politician refused to be in a car alone with this female reporter so that they could document their day. And they were accused about their prudeness. You're devaluing women uh, because he had this boundary. Right. And um, I wonder, you know, is that is that a right boundary? And then I think, well, he's a politician. All this reporter would have to do is make an accusation because they're in a car alone. There's no witnesses. Right. And because it's a cancel culture. If she makes one accusation, true or not, he's done. I'm more more biased as being in that field where I would say that reporter is actually less dangerous than a, a random, you know, woman, a secretary. A, a, How do you know fan. that? In our in our insane political world, there are political parties that would hire someone to pose as, as a reporter. Well, that to might be sabot- true. That's what I mean. Yeah, I'm so saying if she has bylines going back years, you know, yeah, that yeah. there is a, a little more scrutiny um, there. Where if if there was something that inflammatory, there yeah. might be more. Uh, I know as a pastor, you know, um, I have some guidelines for myself. Um, I won't meet in a counseling appointment with a female. I have my door either open or I've got a window in my door. If the office is closed and I'm the only one in the office, I won't do it at all. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be in a public place with a woman, say a coffee shop or a restaurant for a meal, there's two rules about me doing that. It's totally I can do it. I think it's I think it's that's what I mean. I think we should be um, we should be living uh, fruitful whole lives without having to be in prison where we can't be around the opposite sex. Right. Sure. But my two conditions are my wife has to know and someone at the office has to know. So if someone in Olympia sees me at a restaurant with a woman who's not totally. my wife. And they started to query about it. My wife would be able to say, oh, I knew he was doing that. And someone at work would be able to say, I knew he was doing that. Uh, Because you get in trouble when you're having these lunches and nobody knows. 
Well, these are part of a different episodes. We're, you know, Netflix <laughs> says, do you want to keep watching? That elapsed, and you're in a new episode right okay, now. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. I hope this was helpful. Send us comments. Uh, yes, please. We were talking about how podcasts don't allow you to leave comments, uh, you know, most platforms and stuff. So do us a favor. Email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Mm-hmm. Give us your thoughts, questions, comments, episodes you'd like to hear in the future. We'd love to hear from you. That'd be great. Hey, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.